Before we get started today, I wanted to let you in on a little something I've been working on over the past five or six months. For parents of teenagers, there's a lot of pressure and confusion around getting them ready for life beyond high school, whether that's college or something else. So many options to consider, so much to know about college prep and admissions, and crucial development that needs to happen in students' lives during this time. Well, it would be fantastic if every parent could hire a one-on-one consultant or counselor to walk them through the junior high and high school years, but that's just not financially viable for most people. So I'm putting together digital courses designed to walk you through everything I think you need to know. I spent 10 years in academic advising at two different universities, and that experience gave me a lot of insight into how parents navigate the teen years well and some of the pitfalls they may encounter. These digital courses are designed to pass on that experience to you in an affordable, go-at-your-own-pace format that you can go back to over and over again as you reach new milestones. They are still in the works, but if it's something you're interested in learning more about when they're ready to go, the best thing you can do is join my email list. I'll put the link in the show notes below so that you can do that easily. And if there's anything you really like for me to cover in these courses, please feel free to let me know. Your questions help me stay relevant. So that's the big news. So excited to share it with you today, but let's get to the episode. You're listening to the Strategic College and Career Planning Podcast. As a parent of a high schooler, you are the perfect person to prepare and guide him or her through decisions about college selection, taking college credit in high school, deciding on a major, and actually thriving in the post-high school experience. But in my experience working in higher education, I found too many parents and students are overwhelmed by their options, confused about how to achieve their goals, and lack hope for their future. My name is Leah Smith, and I'm bound and determined to enable young people to find and achieve their calling and help high school families make wise decisions in pursuit of their educational, vocational, and financial goals. Through bite-sized episodes covering a wide variety of college and career topics, we'll cut through the mystery and set you up to make great decisions. Welcome to the podcast. to talk about my two favorite tools for helping people understand themselves and make progress in choosing a career. We've spent the past few episodes more head in the clouds, theoretical things, but now we're starting to get really, really practical. You may already be familiar with the Myers-Briggs type indicator. A lot of people are because it's the gold standard of personality assessments around the world. And you may also be familiar with the strong interest inventory, not to be confused with StrengthsQuest. The strong isn't quite as widely used as the MBTI, however, and it's a little bit more career focused as opposed to broadly personality focused. In honor of this momentous week, I'm giving $50 off my Myers-Briggs and Strong Interest Inventory package if you contact me by March 10th, 2023. This package includes access to both of the official instruments, a 90-minute meeting to go over your students' results, and then a 60-minute meeting to discuss how to apply those results to decisions about major and career. So don't wait. Please contact me by March 10th if you would like to take advantage of this offer. 
I was introduced to the MBTI as a junior or senior in high school. I was already quite interested in understanding myself and how my mind and personality work and understanding human makeup and behavior in general. The MBTI opened up a gold mine of information about how people are similar, different, our strengths and weaknesses, what we love about ourselves and each other, and what irritates us and why. I was really fortunate in that my whole family got into it. My mom had a book called Nurture by Nature by Paul D. Teeger and Barbara Baron Teeger that explained how the different personality types present in children. And we went through my five brothers and me trying to identify all our personality types. We wrote them inside the cover of the book. And at this point, we believe we mistype most, if not all, of us. But mistyped or not, the discovery of the MBTI and the shared vocabulary it provided grew an appreciation for our uniqueness. Most of my brothers weren't quite old enough to really benefit from it, or they just didn't care about it as much as I did. But I created a senior project out of it and never lost interest. As part of my job I had in my mid-20s, I was blessed with the opportunity to get certified in the official MBTI instrument, and I've been able to walk dozens of students through it since then. I was introduced to the strong interest inventory much later as an academic advisor and career counselor and was again blessed by the opportunity to receive certification in that instrument as well. Together, the strong and the MBTI are quite the dynamic duo that provides understanding of our innate preferences and really tangible ideas for majors and careers to pursue. I certainly think these assessments are beneficial for everyone, but especially with the MBTI, there are some misconceptions out there. So I'm going to spend the rest of the episode explaining exactly what these instruments are and how they can help you and your students. So the Myers-Briggs type indicator is based on Carl Jung's theories. So Carl Jung was a psychologist a little bit after Freud, and one of the things that made him unique, uh, he's he is a godfather of modern psychology similar to Freud, but Freud and his contemporaries, or many of his contemporaries, were looking more at what happens when things go wrong. So if someone is not psychologically healthy, what are some of the reasons for that and what is the treatment for that? Carl Jung, on the other hand, wanted to look at people who were healthy and quote-unquote normal, thinking that there's probably some consistency, similarities, patterns in people who are psychologically healthy. And sure enough, there are. He came up with the original personality theory, and then that was taken by a woman in the early 1900s. Her name was Catherine Briggs, and she was a housewife and a mom. She really enjoyed studying psychology, so she took this book that was written for uh, mostly other psychologists, so full of jargon, a little bit hard to understand, but she read it, understood it, appreciated it, and wanted to make it accessible to the world. So fast forward, and her daughter, Isabel Briggs Myers, partners with the American Psychological Association in the mid-20th century to create what we know now as the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator. Of course, it has gone through revision since then, but that is, very briefly, the overview of the history of the assessment. 
It is supposed to identify your preferences, not abilities. So this is one of the things that can throw people off when they're taking the assessment. A lot of times in answer to certain questions, the response is, well, I can do this or in this environment or this situation, I choose to do this as opposed to the other option. But that's not necessarily your preference. That's what you can do uh, if the situation circumstances require it. But what the MBTI is looking at is not your ability, but your preference. So that when you have a choice in life, whether that's a small choice, like how you're going to spend your weekend, or a large choice, like what you're going to major in in college, you can make decisions in a way that will allow you to live in your preferences as much as possible. Now, part of becoming an adult is accepting the fact that you will not always get get your preference. You can't always make decisions based on what you would prefer. Instead, there are some times, and we might say a lot of times, when we do things because we have to do them. And that's not wrong. That's part of life. But the idea here is that when we have the choice, we are informed enough about how we work that we can make decisions based on our preferences. And the point of this is not just so that we can have a life that we enjoy, but so that we can be the best version of ourselves because the best version of ourselves produces the best fruit. Now, the the assessments are based on four scales, and you might be familiar with some of them. The extroversion versus introversion scale is probably the most commonly known and the most widely used in pop culture. But the two scales are essentially, the first and the last one are external scales, so how you deal with your outside world, and then the two in the middle are internal scales, so how you take in and process information, and then how you make decisions. There are plenty of free tests online that you can access, but it's important to know those free ones. They, they're they fun, and you can find some that are like, what Disney princess are you based on your MBTI? Or what Harry Potter character are you based on your MBTI? And that's all fun and good, but not reliable. So you do have to work with someone who is certified in the MBTI in order to access the official instrument. So that does cost money. It's not going to be something you can access on your own for free. But know that if you do use the official instrument, it's more thorough and it's gone through significant testing and review to make sure that the results are valid and reliable. Um, So if you have the opportunity I would highly recommend that at least once uh, you take or you have your student take the official instrument. The next assessment is the Strong Interest Inventory. This started in the 1920s as a way to help servicemen coming back from World War I figure out what to do with the rest of their of their lives. So it was, at that point, it was just one scale that helped them connect their interests with specific jobs or fields. So that's how it started. Now it's four different scales. And in the middle of the 20th century, a theory by Dr. John Holland, a psychologist, was added as the theoretical construct to support the inventory. So his theory is essentially that 
Environments and people share certain characteristics. We know this as the Ryasek hexagon. So those six letters, R-I-A-S-E-C, all stand for one of those characteristics or big categories of characteristics. And again, people can be identified by these things and then environments can also be identified using those those characteristics or those labels. The idea here is that if I can find a career in an environment that matches my own personal characteristics, that I will be the most fulfilled, happy, and satisfied in that career. Now, as I mentioned before, the assessment is based on four different scales. The first three are a little bit more, well, the first two are more broad. The last one is more personality. Uh, And the third one is what a lot of people are the most interested in. So those broad scales are trying to fit us into one, two, or three of those six characteristics. So those six points on the hexagon fitting us into one, two, or three of those. And then it drills down a little bit more narrow in the next scale. And then from there, the assessment will help you identify actual career fields and job titles that you may share interest in with somebody who is currently working in that field, enjoys it, does it in, quote, a typical way, and has been working in it for for at least three years. So the theory being, if you or your student, whoever is taking the assessment, if they have interests that match somebody who is satisfied and happy in a specific field, that your student is likely to also enjoy that particular field or that particular job. This is not supposed to be God's letter to them telling them exactly what they need to do. In fact, some of those jobs can either be too narrow or too broad. The goal here is to use whatever comes up on that career matching part of the assessment as a springboard for more research. Not necessarily to say, oh, it said psychologist, so you need to be a psychologist. But instead, really research, well, what does a psychologist do? And What is it about what they do that aligns with your students' personal interests and values, etc.? And maybe it does mean they need to be a psychologist, or maybe they can apply those specific tasks and strengths and, and weaknesses and abilities and interests to a different job that has similar requirements or opportunities. There are some common concerns with the assessments that come up, especially with the MBTI, and I want to just address a couple of those right now in case you or your student have some of these concerns. So what the first one is that they feel like if they're reading through a description of one of the scales, so for this example, we'll use the extrovert and introvert scale. If they read the characteristics of an extrovert and an introvert, they might find that they resonate with descriptors or characteristics of both sides. This is really, really normal. It's very rare to find somebody who is only an introvert or only prefers introversion or someone who only prefers extroversion and all those characteristics associated with. That's really, really abnormal. Instead, most of us find ourselves somewhere in the middle. 
And I find that it's really helpful if you know that what most of us talk about when we talk about the MBTI, we'll use the personality code, uh, which would be something like INFJ or ESTP, something like that. And we'll use we'll use just that four-letter code. But this is called step one, and it's again, really helpful. But if we were to go to step two, we would find that each of those four dichotomies has five facets underneath it. So really, your personality is made up of 20 different facets or 20 different scales. When you start narrowing it down to that level of detail, it can help you identify ways that, say, most of them are introvert, but you might have one or two scales under under introvert, so one or two facets that lean more into the extrovert category. And that really helps you to see where you do that, what things you prefer that are a little bit more extroverted as opposed to introverted, but the, that the majority is still leaning towards introvert. So if you or your student finds himself in a situation in which they really feel like they're right in the middle and they can't decide, then number one, they don't have to decide. We can live our whole lives thinking that we we are an introvert or an extrovert and we don't really know and that's totally valid, that's just fine. Or it could help them say, I am mostly an extrovert, or I, I mostly prefer extroversion, but there are a couple areas that I am more like an introvert. Just to take away some of the pressure to identify fully with one or fully with the other, because that really, truly doesn't happen all that often. Also, most people don't want to be put in a box. And so, especially if you have a student who is averse to all kinds of personality assessments because they don't want to be quote unquote put in a box. It's um, really important that they know, number one, that they are the expert on them or you are the expert on you. So an assessment is just a tool and like all tools, we own the tool. The tool does not own us. And if the tool says something that you really don't agree with or resonate with, you have the right or they have the right to veto what the tool says and make their own decision. Now, especially for a teenager, my perspective is that they will they will become much more self-aware as they grow older. So you might feel like the assessment nails them and they disagree. Well, you honestly might be right. And they just don't have the self-awareness yet to identify that. But I I don't get too worked up about this or stressed about this because I think ultimately at the end of the day, as they grow and mature and learn themselves better, that they will come to identify their personality a little bit more accurately. And hopefully they won't make any huge decisions that they will come to regret later based on what they think they know about themselves. 
Another way that you can help your student alleviate some concern if they're worried about being put in a box is that they have freedom to change and their personality could potentially change. Now, I really don't believe that our personality does change. I think that we are given a personality before we're even born, that this is one of the things that God gives us as he creates us. But there are lots of people who have differing opinions. Uh, The whole nurture versus nature debate is alive and well when we're talking about personalities. But I really don't think that it changes. What I do think happens is that we get to know ourselves better. Our personality is, first of all, it takes a while for us to really understand ourselves. And our family will have an impact on how we live out our personality while we're under our family's roof. So there's certain pressure from our family based on the parent's personality that will encourage kids to demonstrate certain personality characteristics. And so they might feel like they are one way when once they are given some freedom and they're not living in that house anymore, they might find that they veer in the other direction. This isn't just in the home either. This could also be at school, in their social group, anywhere where there is some kind of societal pressure that encourages them or or rewards them for having specific preferences especially when they're young and they are their sense of self is still developing they they can very easily believe that they have certain preferences when in reality as they get older they get more freedom and they gain more maturity they find that they really they really never preferred that they just felt like they were supposed to But for your students' sake, I don't know if I'd want to tell them all of that, but for your students' sake, just to let them know, this is is one assessment. It looks at one piece of the puzzle that is them, and this isn't going to lock them into any personality label uh, that will be their label for the rest of their lives. So open to change. Now, these assessments aren't intended to be an end-all, be-all. They probably won't give your student a writing-in-the-sky kind of answer to their career questions, but they will potentially confirm what they've already been thinking, give your student better vocabulary for explaining their wants, ideas, and interests to you and to other people, like their guidance counselors or future academic advisors, and they will give you insight into their inner world that you wouldn't otherwise have. Not to mention, there's just something about investing time and money into understanding them that communicates value to your student. You hopefully already do this by asking them good questions and listening well, but the assessments take the intentionality up a notch. Whether they can express it or not, people feel loved when the people they love want to talk about and understand them. And this is quite a gift to give your child. As I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, in honor of this episode, if you contact me by March 10th, I'll give you $50 off the MBTI and Strong Assessment package with me. So contact information will be in the show notes and on my website. All right. Thanks so much, y'all. I hope you have a good rest of your day. 
Thanks so much for listening today. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode and leave a kind rating and review so more families find this information and encouragement. I hope you found this episode helpful. Just wanted to let you know that we can make much more progress through personal coaching. Please check out my website at callingandcollegiateconsulting.com to continue the conversation and learn more about coaching opportunities for you and your child. I'll be sure to include a link to my website in the show notes below. So much is possible for your student, but very little just happens. I'm excited to help you strategically plan for their future.